Uh, if you have your Bibles today, you can grab them and open them up to Matthew chapter five. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, we'll have scriptures on the screen. Uh, but we are a church that uh, loves the word of God. One of our top values is the Bible. We anchor ourselves to the truth of God's word. And so we encourage you, uh, if you're gonna be in this community, we're a Bible community. We love scripture. Uh, what's it look like for you to have a Bible, to get a Bible, to bring your Bible? And uh, we are gonna be jumping into a series today, uh, starting a brand new series, uh, walking through Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, it's the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. And uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we get the single longest unbroken teaching from Jesus. Uh, it's most familiar, uh, familiarly known as the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus goes up on a mountainside and delivers a sermon. And uh, it covers these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. And we're gonna take the next several months to start walking through this, uh, this teaching from Jesus, verse by verse, line by line, sentence by sentence. This is what uh, is called an expository teaching series. Uh, it's different than topical. If you've been with us recently, we did a topical series on stewardship. That's where you kind of take the concept of stewardship. And then we had like eight topics throughout it, whether we're talking about greed or contentment or making a budget or generosity. Uh, it was kind of topical. What does the scriptures teach uh, surrounding this topic? Now we're going to switch gears, and this is going to be what's called uh, expository. It's where you take a chunk of text, and the text decides what we're talking about. We're not, it, it brings up the topic week to week. So we're going to talk through all sorts of topics uh, as we walk through Jesus' teaching from a mountainside found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, I don't know how long this series is going to take, uh, but it's going to be multiple months, and it's going to be great. We're gonna walk through it. We're not gonna rush it. Uh, we're gonna take as long as we need to to dig into these teachings. I want to encourage you uh, as we dig into this to not just uh, show up on Sundays to be taught this. Uh, you've got access to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 on your own. If you're not sure what to read, what to study, Let's dig into Matthew 5, 6, and 7 together. If your group's not sure what to do, let's look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Next week, we intend to have a resource available to you that's gonna be helpful in this. We just got an idea too late in the game to have it ready this week. Uh, so come back next week. We got a resource that we would love to have uh, that will be helpful in, in digging into this series. But uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we uh, today are going to begin by reading the first couple of verses, and then we're gonna kind of do this in reverse order. We're gonna teach today on uh, some of the very last verses, the last words that Jesus uses in this, uh, because uh, he, he kind of brings this, this finality. He just teaches all these topics, and then in the last couple of verses, um, he kind of brings home a point. And so what we want to do today is let's start at the end because I think knowing the end and how Jesus wraps this up, it's going to uh, impact the posture that we take into all of the teachings that's gonna take us a few months to get through. Uh, so Matthew chapter five, starting in verse one says, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around, them, around him and he began to teach them. So uh, he goes up on a mountain, sits down, all these other people walk up the mountain with him and he begins to teach them. And uh, if you have your Bible open, you can see all these different headings. Your translation might use different headings, but next week we'll dig into what's known as the Beatitudes. Then Jesus talks about being salt and light of the world, teaching about the law, anger, adultery, divorce, vows, revenge, 
love for enemies. This is going to be such a fun series, you guys. Uh, giving to the needy, prayer, fasting, uh, money and possessions, judging others, effective prayer, golden rule, narrow gate, tree and its fruit, true disciples. And, uh, and then it, we're going to jump into what today's text is. But as we go through all of those headings over the next few months, Jesus, he gives uh, approximately 50 imperatives of do this or don't do that. Act like this, don't act like that. Say this, don't say that. He gives like very clear, direct, this is what I expect of my followers. This is how it ought to look. And he is dramatically contrasting ways of this world and ways of the flesh with ways of following Jesus. He's gonna set a, a very clear standard of what holy living looks like to be set apart from the ways of this world. And so much of this teaching uh, is countercultural. Countercultural 2,000 years ago and countercultural today. He's constantly saying, This is what the world does, this is what my followers do. And he lays it out for them. And uh, there's some really hard topics, some really difficult teachings. And at the very end, it says that Jesus taught this with great authority, meaning he wasn't timid. He didn't like water it down to make the crowds comfortable. He loved people. He wants the best for his followers, but he's very clear on some challenging topics. And uh, he speaks with authority. He's not timid. He doesn't water it down. Uh, he makes it very clear and he loves and wants the best for his people. So we'll talk through all of those. Now let's today look at these very last verses, starting in verse 24. After all of this, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. End of sermon. Uh, he makes this parallel. He's like, okay, we're gonna talk through all of this. And then at the end of it, he says, um, the person who hears this, puts it into practice, begins to implement it into their lives is wise. Their house is gonna stand, their faith will stand through the storms. Those who hear the same teachings, but it doesn't really affect their lives, they're foolish because it's not actually strengthening them, preparing them for the days ahead. Pretty dramatic conclusion. I, I just envision as sermons get towards the end, like usually for me, volume gets a little more intensity. I see veins popping out of Jesus as he's talking out of his neck as he's talking about, are you gonna stand strong or are you going to crash when the storms come? Uh, my, my wife and uh, our good friends, uh, David and Whitney Nunnally, uh, Whitney and Danny own a cake company. They make a lot of cakes, birthday cakes, cupcakes, cake pops, all kinds of sugar going through our house. Uh, they, they make cakes. And uh, sometimes it can be stressful because you are trying to put together what someone else's expectations for uh, the birthday party, for the smash cake, for the right colors, the right designs. And so you're trying to like create somebody else's vision for, for this cake. And uh, there, there can be stressful moments. But the most stressful part about the cake industry is uh, the delivery of the wedding cake. I mean, it's a big deal. Lots of anxiety coming around, not just the building of the cake, the design, but now we have to get this cake from where it was made to the, the wedding venue. And it's, uh, it's, it's stressful. It's, it's the wedding cake. Like it really matters. Uh, it's the most important. It's the most expensive of the cakes. And like we got to make sure that this is done right. And so the transportation of it can be stressful. Uh, we, we've had many times where 
uh, the, the conversation is, how do we get this there safely? How do we make sure that, uh, that it's in the right condition when the wedding starts? Uh, if someone else picks up the cake, they gotta like sign a waiver. It looked good before we took it. Like there's, it's really important that this is, is done right. And uh, when we go deliver a cake, there's a lot of factors. Like usually it's in the summer, so it's hot outside. And so the car has to be cooled down. And so like an hour before you leave, you gotta go crank the AC and it's the middle of summer, but you gotta put on like your winter mitten and freeze on the drive because we can't let the cake sweat. Like, okay, so let's get uncomfortable so the cake is fine back there. Uh, this is how it goes. You, we will like drape things in the windows, like roll the windows up so that sunlight can't get on the cake to make sure that it's not melting or sliding. Like it's gotta be constructed right. There's the, the balancing of it. We, we will take like uh, hand towels, roll them up and like make these boundaries and try to make it as sturdy as we can to make sure that this cake gets from where it was constructed to the wedding venue safely, and, uh, and it's, it's stressful. But then it's not just making sure that it's, it's in uh, the right temperature and, and set up properly, but then driving. There's bumps and there's turns and, and there's like the unexpected of, of, of the road on the way there. It can be challenging. And so it, it, you gotta be super aware and really careful. Um, I was helping uh, Danny deliver a cake a few years back and we were actually still in town, driving through town. The cake is in the back and uh, we're driving through town and in the lane next to me is a cop and I'm aware of it, I see the cop, and uh, we're driving and we're coming up to an intersection and uh, the intersection uh, has a stoplight and the stoplight is green. And so I'm driving normally towards this, this intersection and uh, you guessed it, it turns yellow. Right at that spot where you're not sure, should I, should I power through or should I slow down? And uh, I had to make so many decisions really quickly. <laughs> I start hitting the brake and I realize I'm gonna have to hit the brake a little bit harder in order to stop before I hit the intersection. Uh, and there's a cop next to me and I start hitting the brake and I have to make this split second decision. Am I gonna make a decision that might cost me today or am I gonna make a decision that might cost me the rest of my life? <laughs> I switch from the brake to the gas and plow through a light that very much turned red before I got through it. And before the lights even come on from the cop, I pull over, like I know what's coming. And uh, pull over, the cop lights come on, he comes up to the window and he's like, hey, will you explain to me what just happened? Uh, it seemed like you saw that light because you hit the brakes <laughs> and then you didn't. I was like, officer, you are correct. Uh, let me explain to you what just happened. I was like, you can find me whatever you want uh, because in the back here, I've got a wedding cake that my wife made and we're on our way to deliver it. And uh, if I hit the brakes any harder, uh, I was potentially going to damage the cake and then have my wife potentially damage me. So uh, <laughs> find me what you want. I deserve it. I know exactly what happened. I consciously decided to do it. So uh, have at it, officer. And uh, he was very gracious, understanding, laughing, gave me a warning and we got the cake there safely. <laughs> Stressful. But the cake delivery game changed dramatically just a couple of years ago when Danny came across this product with which she purchased uh, called the Cake Safe. And uh, the Cake Safe is designed to get this keep cakes safe. Yeah, you nailed it. Smart crowd today. Uh, keeps cakes safe. So it's this amazing contraption where 
uh, you, you construct the cake and then you slide the cake onto this super sturdy base, the bottom of the cake safe, and then you build these walls around the cake. And then there's a lid that goes on top and a rod that goes through the lid, through the entire cake, out the bottom of the base, and then you screw these things tight and it keeps the cake incredibly secure. And these walls help with the temperature, it blocks sunlight, like all of the stresses go away with the cake safe. It's remarkable. It can be tipped, it can be bent, it can be jarred, and the cake is going to be fine. You don't have to freeze on your way to delivering the cake because this is keeping the cake safe. It changes everything. And uh, so we use the cake safe for weddings nowadays. And, uh, and it, it, it's, you can drive the same roads. You can have the same intersections with the same stoplights. And you, you don't have to worry. And it's not so much about the strength of the cake itself. And it's not about the challenging obstacles between construction and venue. It has everything to do with the base, the foundation with which the cake is placed. And uh, in our lives, and what Jesus is saying here as we get into this text and this teaching that's gonna take us a few months to get through, what he is saying at the very end of this message is the stability of our faith and the stability of our lives has less to do with how strong we are how disciplined we are, how many books we've read, what we have been able to accomplish on our own. And it has less to do with the challenges that we face between here and the end of our life, the obstacles, the twists, the turns, the curveballs that come, has less to do with that. But our stability of our faith in our lives has everything to do with the base, the foundation with which our life is constructed. He's saying that the same storms, the same wind, the same waves, the same construction, one stands strong and one falls flat and it has less to do with the size of the storm. The storm was the same. Less to do with the construction that's visible above ground. It was the same. Has everything to do with were you placed in a location with which you can weather the challenges that are ahead is what Jesus says. And he makes this incredible distinction. It's not just faith in Jesus. He says, it is those who hear these teachings and do something with them. They become applicable to their lives. The person whose life falls flat, the house that falls flat, they heard the same teaching. It wasn't about information. It wasn't about intellect. It wasn't about being in positions of hearing the teachings as everything to do with what do we do once we have heard the teachings of Jesus, once we encounter these moments with Jesus. Jesus is pretty serious about application, about living the life that he outlines in these three chapters that we're gonna spend the next few months walking through. Uh, what he really does here in a sense is he, he outlines group identity as followers of Jesus. Like this is what it looks like if, 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 you're, if you're gonna be a follower of me, if you're my disciple. Like, hey, the world looks like this, but we're gonna be different. If, if you're one of us, this is what I expect. If I'm your leader, if I'm, if I'm your Lord, if I'm your savior, this is what it's gonna look like. This is the, the goals that we have. This is the lifestyle that we're after. And he lays this out. And he says that what makes the difference between wise and foolish is the implementation of these teachings. Wise and foolish, standing strong or falling apart. Let's look at these texts a little bit closer again. Verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. If you have your Bible, you should be circling, highlighting, underlining the word and. It's so important in the series. He listens to the teaching and follows it. Wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, floodwaters rise, winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. I want us to consider what comes after the and. So listens to the teachings, I think we can understand that, but it says, and follows it. 
Some of your translations use the, the phrase put into practice. This, this phrase follow is, is really important because it's the difference between wise and foolish. It's the difference between standing strong and falling apart. Uh, what this word is communicating to us, what Jesus is saying by hearing the teachings and following these teachings is it is a commitment to practicing. It's a commitment to following, a commitment to performing the tasks with which he outlines. I think a, a healthy way to say this is it's repeated performance or exercise for the purpose of acquiring a skill or proficiency of a habit. I, w- I didn't put this on the screen, so I'll say it again for note takers. Repeated performance or exercise for the purpose of acquiring a skill or proficiency of a habit. When he's saying follow these teachings, it is coming to a place of recognition of there is a standard that is set and there is a distance between that standard and the, where I'm at right now. And it is the willingness to say, I see this distance. It takes the humility, it takes the courage, it takes the honesty to say, I, I, I don't have that standard in this specific area or this topic that he hits on. I see the distance. And rather than justifying it because I'm good at these other ones or rather than turning a blind eye because it's pretty uncomfortable to deal with, it is looking it in the eye and saying, this is the standard that Jesus has set. This is the reality of where I'm at. And what I'm choosing to do in response to that is I am committing to repeatedly exercising in these areas to create a habit that I don't have yet, to become more proficient in an area that doesn't exist in my life yet. What Jesus is not saying is whoever listens to these teachings and fulfills them perfectly is wise. He's gonna set a standard that every single one of us is going to fall short of. He sets a standard of holiness of this is what it looks like. And we're gonna come face to face over the next few months consistently being like, I'm not there. But wisdom, the wise one is not the one who says, okay, I can do it all. The wise one who is willing to say, I'm not there. But instead of walking away from it, just simply discouraged or not knowing what to do, we're gonna commit as an individual and as a community to say, you know what I'm committed to? Faithfully, consistently exercising those areas of weakness to become proficient in the areas that Jesus is calling me to. Practice is, is, is not perfect. Uh, spring soccer season through the YMCA started this week. How many of you are taking your kids to the soccer fields this afternoon? There's a few of us. Uh, I, I'm helping coach some of, uh, a couple of my kids' teams, and uh, we had our first practice this week. And let me tell you, practice is not perfect. Um, <laughs> practice sometimes includes, hey, ladies, this is soccer practice, not gymnastics practice. Save your cartwheels for another time. <laughs> or honestly, I had to say, hey, fellas, this is soccer practice. This is not shove grass down your shorts time. You want to do that on your own time? Have at it. For the next hour, it's soccer practice. All right, here we go. It's not perfect. In fact, we play this game called uh, Sharks and Minnows, where everyone is a minnow, you're a fish, and you gotta dribble your ball from one set of cones across the field to the other side of the cones, while someone else on the team is the shark trying to kick your ball out of bounds. Uh, And then if your ball gets kicked out, you become a shark as well. These guys wanna be sharks so bad, they're like intentionally kicking their ball out of bounds. Like, oops, I'm a shark now. Like, it's, it's not perfect. But it is the showing up saying, hey, there are exercises, there are practices that can take me from the current skill, the current proficiency that I have towards what the goal is. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what I'm asking you to do is listen to these teachings 
And you're gonna come face to face constantly of like, uh, there's growth, there's maturing. There's so many ways that I'm not there yet. And he's saying, will you show up every day to practice, to stretch, to, to become more of what he's calling us to be? The group identity of what does a follower of Jesus look like post-salvation, he says, let's sign up, let's practice and progress towards that perfection that he's calling us towards. What he's saying here is there's a, a distinct difference between hearing the teachings of Jesus, reading, knowing, even agreeing with the teachings of Jesus, and actually following them, practicing them, repeatedly exercising the ways and the teachings of Jesus. And this is just an introductory message here today, but my prayer going into this is that I don't want us to be a church or individuals that just read and study and preach and listen to the teachings of Jesus, but actually put them into practice. That we would be a community that says this is hard to deal with, it's not very comfortable, but the culture of this community would say, but what I'm signing up for is to repeatedly show up to practice and repeatedly grow in the areas of holiness that Jesus is calling us towards. It's the distinction between a wise and a foolish individual and a wise and a foolish church. My prayer is that God, would you individually, and I'm praying this over my life, would you reveal to me and reveal to us individually and reveal to us as a church the areas of foolishness that we're currently walking in? It's humbling to say, but the reality is is there is foolishness in my life and in your life where we have heard the teachings of Jesus. We know the standard of holiness and yet we're, we're turning a blind eye to it. And it's being justified. And, and, and the hard part about foolishness is it's hard to convince a fool of their folly because it's foolishness. And to be aware that it's in my life somewhere. And along with you, we're gonna journey for the next few months and say, God, would you expose it? Would you pull the blinders off my life to my own folly? Because I'm not interested in just showing up and hearing the information and walking away a fool. And then when the future storms of life come, faith and life is in crisis mode because we didn't actually have a sturdy foundation of, of being aware of our foolishness and putting into practice the teachings of Jesus. It's my prayer that we would be open, honest, receptive. God, would you reveal to us and would we have the posture of being open and willing to put into practice these areas that you reveal to us? Verse 26, but anyone who hears these teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds the house on sand, when the same rains and floods come and the same winds beat against that house, it collapses with a great crash. Again, end of sermon. Jesus' mic drop moment. He just blazes, says, there's gonna be two types of people that leave this. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't force or micromanage the response, but he makes it clear, everyone who hears this teaching, you're gonna fall in one of two categories. There's gonna, everyone's heard it, but what, what does this do from this moment on? It's like, why did you climb this mountain? It's like some of you, you climbed this mountain because it was a story, an experience. It made you feel great. Some of you climbed this mountain because it's gonna transform your life. And I just wonder like, what, what, what is the point? 
Are we climbing mountains towards teachings of Jesus in moments like this and in gatherings where we're, we're hearing and we're learning? And what he's saying is there's some people on this mountain, on this day, where all this was was a fun story to tell people. Yeah, oh no, I climbed the mountain. I was there, I was in the moment. He said the thing and we did that stuff and I saw the person react and I amen him and I got the selfie, hashtag sermon on the mount. Like it was awesome. We were there when it happened and it is not changing them when they walk down the mountain. Says so there's another kind of person that's gonna be here. And it wasn't just a story. It was the moment where they understood the ways of following Jesus and the gravity of what they were actually committing to. And they walked down the mountain committed. Like this is gonna be some work. This isn't easy and this isn't comfortable, but I wanna follow Jesus. I don't wanna just be in his presence when he's teaching. I wanna follow him when no one else is around. I wanna be a faithful follower of him. It's as if Jesus is like climbing the mountain. He's saying climbing the mountain is great. Going to church is great. Listening to the podcast, reading the books. All of this is wonderful. But left there has little value. It says Jesus, it's as if Jesus is saying, this is great that you climbed the mountain. But sitting under this teaching was not the end goal wasn't the destination that you would hear the teachings and the priorities of Jesus, but that you would walk back down this mountain when the moment isn't such this big group around this teaching and it's you on Monday. It's you when you're actually dealing with the anger that he just talked about, when you're face to face with an enemy, when there is desire for lust and adultery in your life and there's divorce and there is, there's prayer and there's fasting. It goes on and on. He's like, the goal was not for you to know this and walk away a fool. He says, I'm glad you climbed the mountain. I'm glad you're showing up for this series. But let's just be honest what we're walking into. Are we gonna walk back down the mountain and let it impact the way that we live the rest of our days, the rest of our lives? But here's the trouble. That's a, a casual observer in this moment would have a tough time distinguishing who's who on the mountain. They're all under the same teaching. They all climbed the mountain. They're all fulfilling this religious obligation. They're, they're, do, they're going to church, they're there. They, they, they could be looking around at each other and like, it's gonna be hard to know whose life and faith is gonna come crashing down in the future and who's gonna stand strong because we're all here. We're all in this moment. Like it, we all look the same from the ground up. But the challenge is, is that it's not on the mountainside that we can observe our stability. It's in the storms. It's in the storm where we finally get to realize for ourselves and, and maybe those around us the foundation that was or wasn't there, the foundation of the discipline of following Jesus, even when nobody's looking. And unfortunately, the storms, the storms come for all of us. You've been through storms. Maybe you're in a storm right now. We all know storms are coming. As much as we don't want to just be negative and pessimistic, the, the reality is, is we know that storms are coming that there's gonna be challenges in our future. Stuff that is national or global, I hope we never go through a pandemic like we did recently, and I hope that we don't have some of the, the, the turmoil that we've had politically, but, but we know that those storms are gonna come. Whether it's nationally or not, in our own lives, there's going to be storms. There's gonna be challenges with our finances in the future. There's gonna be challenges with job transitions that were unexpected. I don't know what's gonna happen with the economy in the days to come, but there's gonna be challenges. 
Truth is we're all gonna face storms of relationship tension. We're gonna face storms of physical diagnosis. That there's gonna be sickness in our bodies and in other people's that we love and we, we care for. And again, we don't like to dwell on these negative realities, but there's people around us that we know and we love, and we're gonna have to walk through losing them. Storms are going to come. We are in a broken, fallen world that is so challenging, and everyone is facing a challenge and moving towards the next challenge. And when the storm hits, it's too late to determine what kind of foundation we're gonna have. And what is sad and what is difficult and what is far too common is is believers in Jesus who are living out their lives, living out their faith in repair mode instead of prevent mode. That our faith, the reality and the strength and the intensity of our faith is far too often in response to the last storm. Because it's been challenging, we, we run back to faith. We run back to God. We get back in faith community. We start doing this, this again because I need God because I'm so broken because the storm was so difficult. But then things are, are getting healed and restored and getting better and, and the, the house is being rebuilt. And then it's feeling better. So faith and faith practices, this isn't, isn't just attendance to church, but distance from faith practices be, be, begin to develop again. And then the next storm comes, it's like, I know what worked last time, so I run back to that again. And faith is, is only as strong as the last storm was. And too often, it is a life of repair mode, of like, I'm just trying to fix the brokenness of what I've went through, and we're just looking back at the last storm. And, and life feels like a series of storm to storm to storm, and all you're doing is trying to repair the damage of what happened last. And life feels relentless. The next storm hits right as you feel like you're finally recovering. It hits again. And this is the story of so many people's lives, is I just can't catch a break. I just can't get ahead. Life just keeps hitting me. And I don't want to belittle anybody's storm. I know some of you have and are walking through real tragedies and really difficult seasons. And this isn't worth spending time comparing um, amongst ourselves. And I know some of you are in, in real pain. But I don't think it's fair to say that those who stand strong are those who have weaker storms. I guarantee you the person you're sitting next to is facing challenges right now. Life is hard. There's always a challenge that we're facing. It's difficult. And someone whose life seems like it's strong, it's easy for us to say, well, they just don't have the same storms that I have. I wanna tell you, it is less likely that it's based on the strength of you and them and less likely it is the strength of the storm versus your storm and more likely the strength of the foundation with which the life is built. It's a cake safe that makes the difference. Cakes will preach if you let it. It's the difference. And just because someone else is facing a storm and they seem to be weathering it fine doesn't mean that the storm is easy. It is uncomfortable, it is challenging that they are trying to determine how to honor the Lord and what decisions to make and how we need to get past this. It, it doesn't mean that the storms aren't affecting them. It's the same wind, the same rain, the same waves, but an ability to stand strong because likely there is years of faithfully following the ways of Jesus that makes someone strong. Now what's difficult for us sometimes is um, the foundation just isn't as flashy. It isn't as noticeable. And, and to be honest, it's difficult to know what, what potential damage could have been done if I didn't have a strong foundation. Like for example, it, it, it's tough to know what sicknesses were avoided by healthy habits. 
Like if you, if you get good sleep habits, uh, you're getting the right nutrients, you're exercising, you're taking your vitamins, whatever it is in your life. When you have consistent healthy habits, we actually don't know what sicknesses we prevented if we hadn't have had those habits. I don't, I don't know, I was at the trampoline park yesterday. I would have probably got a lot more sicker if I didn't have some healthy habits because I was there, but I'll never know. You, you don't know what healthy habits prevent. You just hope that they are. You know when you get sick, you know when you're feeling awful, but you don't know what your healthy habits prevented. Or if you stretch before exercising, you never know what injuries you prevented because you didn't get injured. It's like, well, it just felt like a little bit of an inconvenience. It was uncomfortable. It took some extra time. I don't know if, it, I don't know if I'd have got injured or not. Like, we don't know. It's the same with these disciplines of following Jesus. It's hard to know what the storm would have done to your life had you not had these habits of following Jesus or not. It's tough to know the value of this. But what I do know, what Jesus is saying is like, I'm giving you these teachings. Not because I'm mean and I just, I want you to just do all of these things to make me happy. He's saying like, I know. I know what could happen if you don't have these. And I know what could happen with your life and your faith if you do have them. So I love you. I want the best for you. So here is what it means to be a follower of me. This is what is the healthiest pattern for your life. This is gonna be the most impact for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your kids. Like he wants what's best for us and he sets the standard. He says, but are you willing to do the work that maybe you don't even recognize its value? Because you don't crash. You don't fall. You're able to weather the storm. You're able to make it through the trial. You're able to make it through the tragedy. As the band joins me, we, uh, we have this enormous claim by Jesus where he's saying that you are wise or you're foolish based on your response to his teachings. That's an enormous claim. It's very strongly stated. And in this moment, specifically about the statements he makes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's like you've just heard a lot of challenging teaching. He doesn't say wise and less wise, wise and unwise. He says wise and foolish are the two responses to the teaching. For us, church, there's only two ways to walk away from this series that we're diving into. And today, as an intro, it's kind of like a, a warning, <laughs> This is what we're getting into. There's only two ways we get to respond. Wise or foolish. Just hearing his teachings or committing to faithful practicing, faithful following the ways and the teachings of Jesus. So the question is, what about us? What about you? What type of posture are we gonna take into this series? Are we willing to say, God, challenge me. Reveal to me my folly. I just think it's worth the fair warning that there's the potential that we individually or corporately listen, we climb the mountain, we hear the teachings, Life a few months from today is the same. What a tragedy. My prayer is that's not our identity. So Jesus, we wanna follow you. 
want to put into practice. That's what, that what you've called us to. I've shared a couple prayers that I'm having into this, going into this series, but another one that I'm praying is that we'd be more captivated by the teacher than the teaching. There's going to be a lot of really strong teaching, but what, what makes it meaningful is knowing the teacher, knowing Jesus, that we're not just motivated by, well, I want a strong life when the future storms come, but we're just... We're enamored, we're in love, we're aware of, we're captivated by Jesus. Because he was a great teacher. He is a great teacher. But he's so much more than a teacher. And what makes this sustainable, and what makes this something that we willingly, faithfully commit to, is we don't just know him as teacher, we know him as savior. We know him as our Lord. Because we will listen to a teacher. We're going to follow our Lord. We have just a couple minutes left, but I, I feel like I need to make sure this is said. The beauty of the gospel is that we are already declared righteous through what Jesus did on our behalf. A few weeks ago, we talked about these terms, justification and sanctification. Justification is being instantly declared righteous. It is when anybody comes to the place of faith of saying, Jesus, I believe that you lived the perfect life that I couldn't live, that you were the righteousness I could never become. And yet you took the death that I deserve because I couldn't be righteous, and you gave me that righteousness that I could never deserve. When that faith, when that, that belief is received in someone's heart, we're instantly justified, instantly declared righteous. But the rest of our days is what's called sanctification. It is progressively living out the righteousness that has already been put upon us. And I wanna be really clear as we jump into this. We've already said that practice isn't perfect. It is putting us towards it. The beauty of the gospel is that every time we open up this teaching, we're going to see our insufficiencies. We're going to see our unrighteousness. But the beauty is, is that because of the love of God for you, he gave the sacrifice of Jesus so that we could already be declared righteous. And now we're in this season of sanctification. That when you put faith in Jesus, it is not working to be what Jesus asks us to do, to make him happy, to make him pleased, to get access to heaven. Jesus did everything for us. But as he is not just our savior, but he's our Lord, we begin to follow the ways and the practices and the teachings of Jesus. Because he's our leader, because he's our king, because he knows what's best. And faith is not just faith that he saved me, it's faith that he knows what's best for me, and I will follow his ways even when it's uncomfortable. So I'll be very clear that this is not a teaching of we gotta live this standard to make God happy. The righteousness of Jesus is over you if you put your faith in him. We have a God who is so in love with you, sees you as righteous, and now we get to follow his ways until the day, our blessed hope of glorification, where we live out that holiness for eternity. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? As a response today, if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you don't consider yourself a Christian, first and foremost is receiving that beautiful gospel that he loved you first. He didn't love you and offer you salvation when you 
earned it, when you were good enough, it was when we were at our worst that He gave us His best. And today you can just say yes to Jesus and join this community of faith that is progressively growing in the righteousness that has already been declared. It is faith in your heart. And I believe that God is already wooing you. He's after you. The fact that you're here today is it's because God loves you and He desires to redeem you and give you hope and a future. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, and most clearly to those of you that the Anchor Church is, is your home, this is your community. This was kind of our, our, our warning shot, our intro. I'm believing that what God is gonna do in our community in the next few months is gonna be transformative to lives, to marriages, to homes, to futures. I believe that there are future storms that are not gonna destroy us. And we don't even know how powerful that storm really was. We don't know, we don't know what could have happened, but we just know that we have signed up to faithfully follow and exercise the practices of Jesus. And my prayer is, would we be open? Would we be receptive? Would we say, Jesus, I, I don't wanna be the fool. I wanna be the wise that listens and puts into practice. We just put like a hand on your heart or if you're here with, with a spouse or somebody, would you maybe grab their hand? And I'm just gonna pray as we dive into this series together. Lord, you're amazing. Your words are so good and they're so true and they're so challenging, but God, you are calling us to a place of maturity. And Lord, I pray that we would be individuals and we would be a church that doesn't climb the mountain, hear the teaching, celebrate that we were there and then come down the mountain unchanged. Lord, I pray that over these next few months that we are climbing a mountain and we are hearing the heart and the teachings of Jesus and that we come down the mountain transformed, changed, and not just instantaneously, but we are signing up for the rest of our days for faithfulness for months and for years and for decades to come, that we are gonna be followers of Jesus. We're gonna put into practice your ways and your desires for our lives. God, we, uh, we thank you that your word is active. It is alive. It is going to be just as convicting and challenging and maturing and encouraging today as it was on that mountainside 2,000 years ago. God, we pray that we would be uh, an audience. We would be followers. We would be disciples that are just ready to lean in and grow from your teachings. Father, we thank you that in this series, the lost are gonna be found and the found are gonna be anchored in the hope of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. We're ready, Lord. We are open and we're receptive. Do a work inside of us. We love you. In His name we pray, amen.